Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 113 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Anthony. And I am Michael. And we are glad to be drinking some beer tonight and talking about the Bible tonight. And I guess that's all we're going to do. I mean, that's pretty much what we do every week. So yeah, that's that's the standard protocol. <laughs> Might as well stick with the formula. Yeah. <laughs> I Hey, I have a new glass tonight. I have my Georgia national champion glass. I'm really excited to be drinking. I know, I know you are. Finally, you you sent a picture of it to our. We have a a group text with a, with a few guys, and I think I think I saw the package in the background. Like you hadn't even thrown the box away yet. So that's probably true. Anyway, <laughs> you were so excited. You're like, oh, look at this! I got my shirt on too. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sporting all my championship gear tonight. I'm not, so it's okay. <laughs> it's okay, man. You're gonna have your year. It's. Not going to be next year, though, unfortunately. You don't know. Things happen, it's man. true. It might. I mean, you never know. This, this could be the one speed bump in Georgia's, uh, hey, in Georgia's I, history. The, the one speed bump I would not put past Georgia is Tennessee because, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's happened before. Yep. So how you been, man? What's going on? Dude, uh, we were talking about it before we started recording. Uh, the last few days have just been... Just weird for us, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, we're dealing with uh, some stuff at the house right now. Our water heater is not cooperating, so gonna. I hate houses, but I also love houses. I was about to say <laughs> I, lo- I love my houses. Really, the first like, well, I take that back. When we first moved in, the water heater gave us issues, but that's because uh, it wasn't there. I I figured it out then, and I could not get this one figured out. So I'm gonna have to mm. call a professional. So, um, dang it. Yeah, that's no bueno, but uh, this weekend's just, we got a lot going on this weekend. I've got a church retreat and uh, helping my wife move into her office, and I'm playing mm. Sunday morning. And, uh, Is it cold it. up there? Uh, it's a little chilly. It's supposed to be really cold this weekend. It's supposed to be That's down to like the less than 20. Oh, dang. Yeah, it's going to be like 25 here, so I figured it had to be pretty cold. I up actually, there, I haven't actually looked yet to see what it's supposed to be this weekend. Twenties in South Alabama, like the bread aisles are empty, the milk is gone. Like you, you think that a hurricane's coming, but no. When hurricanes come, the only thing people buy is beer. That's fair. So <laughs> it's um, the low Friday is twenty one, and then the high Saturday is thirty five. Oof, that's cold. And that's and Saturday's the day we're doing the bulk of the moving for my wife's mm. office. So. But, Don't bump your hands because it'll like feel like your fingers are falling. Well, off. what's funny is uh, my thumb has a like. So I had a spot on my thumb where like a bit of skin had kind of peeled up. So I peeled it off like three weeks ago, uh-huh. and then it started getting cold and dry. And I don't know if you can see this, but like, ooh, yeah, I've had those before. It's, oh, those things it, hurt. It hurts, <laughs> and it's on my dominant hand. I'm in a bowling league, so 
that was real fun on Monday. Oof. But Oof. Uh, I don't know. We're I mean I I'm just having a weird day. I guess I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. I guess maybe I'll feel better <laughs> at the end of this episode. Well, there's one thing that'll help you feel a little bit better, and that's drinking beer. So that is true. Um, but how are you doing? We'll get to that man, in a minute. <laughs> yeah, I've I tell you what, man. I, it's been a weird week for me too. I've had to I've had to do some things for work that are kind of out of the norm. Um, had to had to go to court and just uh, it's it's been I'm with you, man. It's been a weird week. It's been one of those times where you're like. You feel like you're getting, you're doing a lot of stuff, but nothing is actually getting done. Yeah, and and you know, of course, with with us or with me, because my job is mostly in finance uh, and dealing with the money. Um, January is always kind of stressful anyway because it's tax, it's the start of tax season, and yep. so we have to be cons- getting all of our books in line and and uploading stuff to the CPA, and just I feel like I've been doing that and just getting stuff done, and then I get done and I'm like. I didn't do anything today. <laughs> I didn't do my actual job today. I did all this other stuff that is yeah. loosely related to my job. But yeah, oh, so. I get it, man. We're uh, our uh, our finance department's in the same boat, trying to wrap up from twenty twenty one and mm-hmm. get all the stuff in line for what they need for financial purposes. But yep. So it's just I don't know it's a weird it's a weird couple of weeks I was kind of expecting it but I never really enjoy like the month of January yeah much anymore because it's just it's I feel like I don't ever stop and then when yeah. I do stop I'm like I don't want to go anywhere I don't want to do anything I just want to just sit here and that's yep. it <laughs> yep so but we're gonna drink a little bit of beer tonight so tell me Michael what beer do you have so tonight I have uh, the Second beer from my beer drop subscription that I mentioned for the last couple of weeks because it hadn't got here until in time for last week's episode. Um, but I have the from Station 26 Brewing Company, and they are based in Denver, Colorado. I have the mm-hmm. 303 Lager. Nice. Um, the website, actually, I can get to the website, and it actually has like a little bit of information. Um, it's a bright and easy drinking golden lager. With five percent ABV, in un- untapped list twenty. Uh, I'm sorry, seventeen IBUs. Nice. So, um, I was telling Anthony when I got the beer out of my beer fridge, I saw that I also have some um, classic city lager. And so, over the course of this episode, I will drink both. Not right now, but I mean, I kind of feel like it. But he's, he's going to shotgun both <laughs> of them at one time, Stone Cold Steve Austin style, is what he's going to do. Well, I would waste so much beer. Um, I'm going to try the 303 Lager, and then during the course of the episode, open the uh, Classic City and see how the two compare. But that's nice. what I'm going to do. And that's what I'm reviewing tonight. Anthony, what are yes. you drinking? So I have um, from the St. Ambrose Cellars, and I, I may be going off script here. This is a mead. This is not a beer. And I've all I've heard people say that mead and beer are different. And so I did a little quick google searching and mead this is so this is like a brief difference between mead and beer uh it says mead exists in its own category traditionally mead is fermented with three basic ingredients honey yeast and water unlike beer so beer has water hops yeast and something else barley barley that's it Mm -hmm. okay so 
Beer, mead skips the boil, unlike beer, mead skips the boiling stage and goes directly to fermentation. And I was reading, I read another article that said some people do the boiling, some people don't. And the people who don't say that it takes away from the sweetness of the honey when you dilute and boil the water and honey together. So hmm. that's why they skip the boiling process and go straight to the, the fermenting process. So I've got a mead tonight and it's called the John Lemon Honey and Lemon Draft. And the description on the website from St. Ambrose says, uh, Lemonade for grown-ups, smooth, sweet, star thistle honey, and zesty fresh lemon make this draft mead the ultimate summer afternoon relaxation. So I'm hoping this is going to... I don't know that I've ever had mead, and I don't know the taste difference between mead and beer. I've always heard they're kind of similar, Mm -hmm. um, which is why people get them confused. But um, I like lemon things, and... I like beer, so we'll see if Meads is close enough to uh, to let me like it. I wonder if how it'll compare to the Rodler. I, that you know, I, I thought about that, um, and the one uh, like that was the one I had last it might, week. Like the um, the texture and stuff may be a little different because it uses honey. Yeah, yeah, honey and lemon. Um, it comes in at six percent ABV, um, and if you're worried about this, it is gluten free. It sounds um, like a cough drop, <laughs> like a honey lemon cough drop, you know? Yeah. All right. So here's the, oh, here we go. Here's the ingredients. Water, honey, lemon concentrate, lemon juice, lemon extract, potassium, big word, and potassium sobrate to preserve freshness. Hmm. So there you go. Not a whole lot in it. But we should drink them and find out if they're any good. Let's go. So let's do this. Here we go. Three, two, one. Crap. Yours did not make any sound. When it did a little. Opened. It wasn't. It wasn't quite as poppy as most beers are. This smells exactly like a beer, and it looks like water. I don't know how I feel about this. Mine smells like a lager. Looks like a lager. This is like, this is, okay, it's got a little bit of color to it. But this is, uh, you can't really, you can't see it, but like, this is almost as clear as water. This is crazy. Well, there's only one way to find out how good they are, and that's to turn them up. Let's go. Let's drink them. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. How's your lager? It's pretty good. Is it typical? There's something different about it. It's really bready. Bready, huh? Mm-hmm. Like when I when I first opened it and smelled it, and then as I'm tasting it, like it tastes like the bread from like the peanut butter jelly beers that we've had. Oh, okay. Like it's very 
I guess that would maybe be east, east mm-hmm. forward. Um, untapped, talking about the 303 logger. Um, it's an American light logger, crisp and refreshing, brewed with 100% malt and a touch of sapphire hops. Okay. Let's see here. There's not a whole lot about what uh, they have at seven percent. Untapped has mine at seven percent. The can says six percent, so I'm gonna go with what the can says. This is this is weird. I don't know how I feel about mead now. If this is if this is what mead is, I don't know how I feel about mead. Well, why don't you go? Because yours is a little more unique. Yeah. Mine's not going to be, there's not going to be much <laughs> to talk about mine. So, it's it's definitely got lemon and honey flavor for sure. I can taste that. So, the, the flavor, I guess, is is there. It's it's not exactly what I would, I would like. I mean, I guess it's just not to my preference. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, okay, if Sprite had honey in it and was somehow fermented. I feel like that's what this is. It's like fermented honey Sprite. Okay. And it's got the consistency of Sprite. Like it all like it almost feel I feel like I should go put ice in this cuz it feels like a soda. Um hmm. so I I don't know. This I, uh, this is my first experience with mead and so I'm not really sure what what I can expect, but if this is what mead is, then I can tell you I'm not going to be a big fan of mead. Um, the flavor is okay. Again, the, the texture is like drinking Coke or, or a soda of mm-hmm. some site of some type. Uh, when you're in the South, everything is Coke. So, um, I just, uh, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't really do much for me. So I'm going to have to give this three losers. Um, because I'm, it's just, I mean, it's just, eh. I honestly I'm, thought you I'm, were going I'm glad lower. there's only one. <laughs> I honestly thought you were maybe going to go lower. I, it's the the thought crossed my mind. It's just I don't know. It's I didn't want to go into the Calic range. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's just I don't know. It, it it feels like this should be a Coke is what it feels like, hmm. not a beer of some type. Well, it isn't beer. It's mead. It's mead. Yes. But, I, I feel like people who are mead heads would be very quick to point that out to you. Be like, it's not it's not beer, you knucklehead. That's true. That's why it doesn't taste like beer. But now that you've ex- now that you've described mead, I don't think I want to try it. Yeah, that's and that's what I'm, like if this is what mead is, I don't know that I ever want to try a mead again. So maybe I'll have one more to see. Maybe you got to find like a good mead. Maybe I don't know. Or maybe there's no such thing as a good mead. Maybe. They- <laughs> So there you go, three lo- uh, three Luthers, three loggers, three Luthers on the John Lemon. Mm-hmm. The lemon flavor is good. I mean, it, it tastes like Sprite to me, so I guess that's lemon-lime-ish mm-hmm. or whatever. Sprite with honey in it. So how's the 303 lager treating you? So the 303 is really good. Um, it's very crisp. It's really light. Um, it's very bready, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see this being a, like summertime sitting on the porch or sitting at the lake throwing a six pack in the cooler to go down to the beach kind of deal Mm -hmm. 
Um, enjoy it with, you know, a good dinner. Uh, but nothing really puts it up over the top. Yeah. Like as far as, I mean, it's not a five, but it's not a three. Um, I'm going to land at four Luthers on this one. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really good. And looking back, compared, comparing, the 303 Lager compares really well with the Classic City, I think. I'll compare them more side by side here in a little bit when I crack open mm-hmm. the Classic City. Um, but I, I'm pretty com- I'm pretty comfortable, not confident, but pretty comfortable uh, putting this one at four Luthers. Four Luthers? Okay. Out of five. I might downgrade mine because the more I drink this, the the less I really like it. Um, but I, I just don't want to get it in the Kalik range. Maybe I'm going to have to go back and be like, Kalik, you get one Luther. Well, so remember, that we can downgrade everything else. <laughs> well, remember, like, what I've learned over the course of now two and a half years of doing this. Almost, yeah. Almost, is that um, my tastes have changed. Like, what was mm-hmm. a three or four Luther beer two and a half years ago? may not be a three or four Luther beer now. And what's That's true. A, what's a four, like, this may have gotten more like three and a half, you know, three or three and a half Luthers, bef- you know, if I had had this way back before we were even doing this. Yeah. So, I mean, our palates change and we learn more. We learn more what we like and we don't like. And everyone else is just along for the ride, I guess. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys just have to suffer through it. <laughs> so. Well... There's a couple of beers. The uh, John Lemon Mead's going to get three Luthers. The 303 Lager's going to get four. Um, hope you enjoy that. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back, and we are actually going to finish Philippians chapter one and start Philippians chapter two. It's going to be insane, so hold on. Welcome back. Anthony and I have both opened uh, a couple of our go-to beers. Um, Anthony opened a Yingling during mm-hmm. the break and is chugging it, it looks like. Got a foam oh. mustache and everything. <laughs> um, and like I said, I've opened a uh, Classic City Lager from Creature Comforts, and I'm going to see how it compares to the 303 Lager from Station 26. But in the meantime... Uh, We're going to continue our study in Philippians, and like Anthony said, we are actually going to finish chapter one tonight, and we're going to we're going to start. This is really ambitious of us, I think, (laughs) given how long sometimes our things go. But uh, we're going to actually read the final four verses of Philippians chapter one, and we're going to pick up and read the first four verses of chapter two. So, if you have your copy of God's Word, either a in book or on your phone or on a screen, whatever. Um, uh, Get to Philippians chapter 1, and uh, I'm going to start reading in verse 27. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard, and we're going to go through uh, chapter 2, verse 4, and here's what the word says. And remember, this is Paul uh, writing. 
Just one thing, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, working side by side for the faith that comes from the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of, I'm sorry, this is a sign of destruction for them, but of your deliverance, and this is from God. For it has been given to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, having the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. And now in chapter 2. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, Focusing on one goal. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider yourselves as more important than your. Oh, I'm sorry, having a hard time. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Paul's going to lay it down right here. Um, well, that's, like that, that's all he does, really. <laughs> that's pretty, Paul is basically one mic drop after another. Um, <clears throat> no. Um, the reason uh, that we're kind of trying, we're, we're going to tackle, I'm not going to say try, we're going to tackle all these verses is because this is really, this is two sections of, of, a, of one thought. Mm-hmm. Okay. So break this down if you will, two, two complete different sections. 27 through 30 is going to focus on the unity of, of Christians, the unity of the church. Mm-hmm. And then one through four is going to be an exhortation of that unity into Christian service. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I've, I've kind of alluded to it a little bit, but then we're going to get verses five through 11 that we're going to do next week are the, I guess you could say the, the, the pinnacle, the, the, the climax of everything that he's talking about right here, which is you're going to, you need to imitate Christ is, is really Mm -hmm. where next week is going to go. We're going to talk about uh, Christ. The, the five through 11 is probably one of the most popular passages in all of Philippians other than uh, possibly four thirteen. And so let's just, you know, let's walk through this, this passage and see what Paul is telling the church. Okay, yeah. so he picks up here in verse 27, and he's longing to be with the church, and so because of his longing to be with them, he's going to exhort them to be unified. Mm-hmm. Now, from the beginning, I think I think it's important for us to clarify, there is a difference between unity and unanimity, or unanimousness. I don't, I don't know if that's a word or not. Um, unity... You can have disagreements and still have unity mm-hmm. because unity says we are here for one purpose, one goal, and we're going to work despite our differences towards that goal. Yeah. It's not that everyone is exactly the same as far as um, background or mm-hmm. ideologies or experiences or 
even necessarily beliefs. Uh, you know, as long as the gospel is the core belief and uh, you share that in common, then some of the other more gray areas of mm-hmm. following Jesus don't matter as much. Yeah. So, but it's more about that. Um, and it's more about being unified and less about focusing on the differences of yeah. your brothers and sisters. Well, yeah, and and so if you're going to be unified, you have to have <clears throat> something that you're unified around or towards. Mm-hmm. And then he he tells us exactly what that is. Um, he uses this word, the Greek word there that he uses is manon. Um, oh, I would have totally butchered that if you had let me read it. <laughs> You'd have read it mavav, wouldn't you? <laughs> I would have read mavav. Yeah, manon. So in, in in Greek, a, a V is actually N. It's a letter new. <clears throat> so you have manon. Um, but it's from it's from the word mono, monos, which is where we get the word mono. Of course, mono means one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so he's he introduces this section. He starts verse twenty seven uh, there with the word manon, which is is going. It's it's really going to set up what he's talking about. He's saying above all of these things and and. The, the word there can have a lot of different meanings. It can have mm-hmm. a lot of different applications, if you will, um, much like the word koinonia that we talked about uh, a few weeks back. Um, it can have a lot of different types of applications, but he's going to focus on one right here, which is above everything else. This should be lifted higher than everything else. And what is the thing that's going to be lifted higher than everything else? That you live a life worthy of the gospel. Mm. And... and you, you have to remember the context that we're in here in chapter one. Everything that Paul is talking about is laser focused on the gospel. Yeah. And so he's not straying at all from the point right here of the entire context of the chapter. He's saying everything that you do needs to be centered around living your life for the gospel that I have been telling you to be laser focused on for the last 26 verses. Right. And so, um, even though this this word carries the context um, of being being higher than everything else, I love the way that a couple of different translations kind of put this. Um, you're, the CSB or or the HCSB, I think the way you read it, it says just one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the ESV says only let your life be worthy of it, and. and I, I get that translation, but I actually in this in this instance I like the CSB translation a little bit better because it's like it's Paul's been saying all of this thing and then he's like, All right, just one more thing. Let yeah. me tell you this one thing. And it and it almost it's it's like that conversation that you're having with somebody and you think the conversation is coming to an end and that person was like, Hang on, I gotta tell you this one more thing. Yeah. And and you know when they do that, they're they're like this is this is the thing that you're that you're kind of boiling all of this conversation down to. Yeah, does that well, make and, sense? Yeah, oh, and, and I mean, almost the way I read it, it's that Paul is saying, like, I've said all of this stuff in the previous twenty six verses. Yes, I know he didn't write them in verses, but yeah. um, <laughs> but the way we have it, uh, he said all of this stuff, and now he's like saying in verse twenty seven, just one thing. Like, if you don't get anything else that I've said in the last in the first part of in the rest of the chapter one. Mm-hmm. Live your life in a manner um, worthy of the gospel of Christ. Like Paul is pulling our attention to this verse, saying, "If if nothing else, mm-hmm. live your life in a manner." Um, 
And that's really, I mean, I think that just shows how focused Paul was on the gospel. I mean, he, he is, remember, he's in prison writing this. Yeah. And, and I mean, how difficult or how, I mean, how how is he living his life in a manner worthy of the gospel from prison? Well, he's mm-hmm. writing a letter to the church of Philippi. He's, I'm sure, sharing the gospel with uh, fellow uh, jailmates and the mm-hmm. and the guards and anyone he comes in contact with. So, I mean, uh, to me, it's like Paul. Paul is pointing out, like, even if you don't listen to or follow anything I've written up to this point, yeah, do this one thing if if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, and you know. Some, something that I picked up in a couple of the commentaries was um, Paul is saying this to the church in Philippi, and he's saying, you know, live your life worthy of the gospel. And he's saying this to people who would have really been considered Roman citizens. Mm. Philippi was just an extension of, of Rome. And so their citizenship in Philippi carried all of the benefits of, of actual Roman citizenship, mm. even though they were not necessarily in Rome. Yeah. And so because of this being a Roman city, um, they would have had these same benefits. And, and you know, something, something that we have to remember is Paul even invoked his Roman citizenship. If you read through the book of Acts, Paul invokes his Roman citizenship when it can be beneficial to him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a thing where he's being mistreated and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not being tra- treated like a Roman citizen. And then all of a sudden people are like, wait, you're a Roman citizen? And so, you know, Paul invokes that citizenship when when it can help him. And, yeah. and he knows it's okay to do that. But the ultimate goal here that Paul is focusing on is saying, put aside what you see as your Roman citizenship and focus on your citizenship that is in heaven. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's really saying that no matter what earthly nation nation you're a citizen of, our ultimate allegiance as followers of Jesus and our ultimate loyalties mm-hmm. needs to be to heaven. Yeah. And and I think that 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 really pokes the bear, so to speak, when it comes to Christian nationalism. Ooh. And like the I mean in like this is very prevalent in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know of that being I mean, I'm sure it is, but I I just I'm not aware of it being that prevalent anywhere else in the world? Um, um, no, just because it's not. Okay, cool. I'm just making sure that's not just me that I'm not. Um, but, but like you have this idea that like being a Christian and being American are tied together mm-hmm. because Amer- you know that you know the United States was quote founded on Christian principles in quote yeah um, sort of not really read your history books but um, <laughs> but but you know and, and we've said it before I think. If the United States ceased to end tomorrow, mm-hmm. that should not alter our walk. That shouldn't alter our relationship nope. with Jesus at all. No. So. It shouldn't, and the sad part is that it does. because oh, and, and a lot of people tie their Christianity to their patriotism. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, they hold the two as equal. Mm-hmm. And are probably going to be really surprised when they reach glory and there's non-Americans in heaven. <laughs> what? I know. That's Blasphemy. Crazy. Crazy Blasphemy. Crazy talk. 
Um, you have a quote here from um, the Message of Philippians, a book written by Motyer. Is that how you say Motyer. that? Motyer. Yeah. Um, Moitner, I don't know. It doesn't matter. So, (laughs) that's what we're going to go with. So, but in the message of Philippians, he wrote that um, grace has made them citizens of a heavenly city in their far off lands. They are the heavenly homelands in miniature. Heaven's laws are their laws and their privileges, its privileges. Mm -hmm. The life worthy of the gospel is an inescapable obligation. It is the essence of the homeland where the lamb's standing as though it had been slain, forms the focal point of all life. And as believers, as followers of Jesus, as future residents of heaven, mm-hmm. like this needs to be our focus. Like, like yes, you can be patriotic to your country, and and like Anthony and I, I think we would, I think we would both say like we're very patriotic people. Like when it mm-hmm. comes to like the United States of America, but at the end of the day, our allegiance is not to this country. Our allegiance is yeah. not to even our states or our counties or our cities. And yes, we want to see those places change for the gospel, but ultimately, our our final allegiance is to heaven and and the kingdom of heaven and mm-hmm. and seeing the message of the gospel. Um taken to as many people as possible so that heaven can grow in in the and there can be you know as many people in heaven as possible yeah yeah if we're if we're actually living as citizens of heaven then those around us will see christ in us mm-hmm. and our cities and our counties will necessarily change yeah um because if if we're not if if they don't then we're not going to change anything. Yeah. And if they don't, then we need to seriously look inwardly and and talk talk with ourselves about if we're actually representing Christ or not. Mm. You yeah. know. Um if we're supposed to be outposts of the kingdom of heaven here on earth, then do you look more like a a um oh what's it called? uh oh the word just left me. Oh my gosh! What do you call a thing in a foreign country? Uh, embassy. Embassy. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "There's a word for this," and that's just—I was—I kept wanting to say dictatorship. I was like, "That's not right at all." That's not even close. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. An embassy. If we don't look like embassies of heaven, then we're not representing Christ. Hmm. You know, you know an embassy when you see it. Mm-hmm. There's plaques. There's flags. There's everything that you know. I mean. Even the architecture in, in a lot of these embassies will be representative of that country's architecture. Yeah, and so um, if we're not representing Christ, then people will not know it, and they will not be changed. They will not recognize Christ in us. Yeah, it, there, it should be obvious who your allegiance is to. Yes, yes, it should. So when the Oof. when people notice that, mm-hmm. when we're operating in that spirit of unity, that that verse 27b talks about then the world is going to take notice and they're they're going to see a unified church and this unified church is going to point to something and and I, I love in verse 28 uh, I think it's verse 28 let me look um, and and do not be frightened um, when you're striving with the mind do not be frightened about anything of your opponents this is a clear sign of their destruction. You know, 
one of the most popular verses in all of Scripture is John three sixteen, mm-hmm. and you know, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. But if you keep reading in John chapter three, mm-hmm. um, and you get into verse seventeen and eighteen, you you get a little bit bigger picture of what's actually happening here. And so I'm going to pick up here in verse seventeen. And I'm going to say, and I'm going to read this right here. So, for God's love of the world, we, we already know verse 16. Verse 17. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Mm-hmm. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. And I, I pointed that out because what you're, what we're seeing here in verse 28 is that we're not, as Christians, we're not supposed to be bringing condemnation. The condemnation has already been brought. Mm. And so we are supposed to be a light in the midst of that condemnation. And that is what being the church does, is it shines the light and says, you are already condemned. The way that Paul words it here, um, verse 28, he says, this is a clear sign of their destruction. And when the church is being the church, it will necessarily shine the light on the already present condemnation. Mm-hmm. That's what light does. Yeah. That's not something to be scared of. It's not something to shy away from. But it is to recognize that we are not bringing the condemnation. We are only shining the light on the condemnation and saying, come, come out of this condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right. And so it, it's important to, to notice that distinction right there that when the church is unified, when the church is living the gospel, it is going to shine a light. And that light is going to point out the destruction or the condemnation of the world around you. But the purpose of shining that light on that destruction and that condemnation is to call those people to repentance and to faith and salvation in Jesus Christ. So Paul is par- actually paralleling um, verse 28 here to another passage he wrote um, in Corinthians. In 1 mm-hmm. Corinthians uh, 1.18, um, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is God's power to us who are being saved. Um, it's really a very similar message. It's mm-hmm. that the message, you know, the message of the cross for those who don't understand it, it doesn't make sense or it, it won't make sense or, mm-hmm. you know, it, it seems like this thing that doesn't seem real. And until you have an encounter with Jesus, until you make a response and or have a response and decide to follow him or however you want to word that, like until that happens, it's going to seem foolish. But once it happens, it's no longer foolish. Yeah, like it makes all the sense in the world once you, once Jesus has opened your eyes to your to yeah sorry once Jesus has opened your eyes to your need for Him, mm-hmm. like the message of the cross makes perfect sense. Yeah, and you couldn't imagine living without without that hope, without that freedom, without the liberty that comes from knowing that it's nothing <clears throat> of your doing. Yeah, that has earned you salvation. It's all in the work of Jesus. It's all in what he did on the cross for you. And yeah, that doesn't make sense to people who don't know it because 
they don't understand their great need for him. Right. So if if the church is not unified, then it's going to be it's going to be exactly what you talked about in First Corinthians. the The cross is going to be foolishness to them to those people. Them people, listen to me, uh, to to those who are not in Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Paul turns that in verse twenty nine, and he tells the church that their stand is necessarily going to lead to suffering. And I, I don't think our podcast needs to continue to, to belabor the point of suffering. We, we've talked a lot about it. There is nothing in Scripture that supports, you know, when you become a Christian, everything is going to be great. Everything is going to be hunky-dory. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I, I, I think we've covered that pretty pretty well yeah. here on this. If, you, if, you have, if, you, if you're new to the podcast, just go listen to, like, any previous episode. And yeah. and you'll hear it. I mean, Scripture is full of individuals who suffered mm-hmm. for either God or for Christ, i.e., I. Jesus. I mean, and ultimately <laughs> Jesus. So, yeah. I mean, but from the beginning, I mean, there's there's suffering mm-hmm. all throughout Scripture. You, you can turn to just about any page of the Bible and and find a hero of the Bible suffering. Yeah. For some reason, whether it was brought on by God or by a decision they made on their own, mm-hmm. but just following Jesus or or knowing who He is or living for Him doesn't mean we're impervious to suffering. And you're right; right. We've, we've talked about that. But yeah. I mean, the good news is ultimately we we know we're victorious. We know what the end of yeah. the story is. The process to get there. Is not an easy one. Like, no. And I'm not even going to say might not be an easy one. I'm going to say is not an easy one because because it, life is hard. And yeah, if it is an easy one, then you might want to check the gospel that you're proposing that you believe in. Yeah. You know, because I don't think you can point. I, I may be wrong. I've I've only read the Bible through about ten or twelve times total, and so I may be wrong in this, but. I don't know of a single story that you can point to in the entire Bible where the person is from from birth to to death or whatever, you know, pick uh, there there are time periods of blessings, but every single person in scripture experiences trials, tribulations and suffering at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. Period. Yep. End of story. And so to propose that becoming a Christian means your life is going to be grand and wonderful is completely contradictory to everything that Scripture teaches. Yeah. One of the examples I think of a lot, and I know we're, we're sitting here maybe longer than we should, but I, I feel like I need to say this. Say it. But one of the examples I think about a lot is David. Yeah. He, he's a guy who is described as a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. But look at the suffering he went through because of his actions. Yeah. But God still, I mean, it's still written in Scripture that David was a man after God's own heart. So despite his actions, despite the stupid, idiotic, (laughs) moronic things that guy did, God still chose to include him as a hero of the faith and as as, as one that... 
he describes as a man after his own heart. And, and mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's a beautiful picture is like even though, you know, we we all do stupid things. We all do. We all sin. We all choose to sin when we shouldn't. But God can still use us and God can still redeem all of that. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've come from. God can use your story for his glory, period. And there, I mean, it's as simple as that. Yeah. God can use your story for his glory. And once we actually believe that, then we can do what Paul tells us we should be doing in verse in chapter two, verses one through four, mm-hmm. which is serving other people. Yeah. Because at that point, we're not worried about what somebody might say or what people think or what this person said or that person believes about us because the only thing that matters to us at that point is what Scripture says about us and what God says about us. Yeah. And Paul turns in verse in chapter 2, and he starts to exhort the Philippian church. Mm-hmm. And he calls them into service is what he does. And he's saying, because you're focused on the gospel, because you're prepared for suffering, because of all these things that I've just laid out for you in mm-hmm. Scripture— this is where you're going to go. And yeah. and he talks about this this service and and he's built around this unity that he's been talking about in verses 27 through 30. Um and he's going to use four statements mm-hmm. to kind of set up and classify what this service is going to look like. Yeah. Um or or what this service is going to I guess you could say be founded on. Yeah. Um so what are these four I like to call them if any clauses. What are these four if any clauses? So, so Paul writes if if any encouragement in Christ, um, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, and if any affection of mercy. Um, mm-hmm. and, and remember, we just we you know we kind of talked about unity in at the end of chapter one. The real purpose behind these phrases is to help the church build unity. And yeah. to get on common ground if they're not already there, mm-hmm. um, and you know, at the at the end of the day, the result of these statements of these if any statements will be um, the congregation thinking in the same way, or mm-hmm. having the same love, or being united in spirit, or being intent on one purpose, um, and and I think churches today. I think part of the problem or part of the struggle, maybe not problem, I get, I'll say struggle, but part of the struggle is that, you know, that in the, the last one really, really jumps out, jumps off the page to me, that's intent on one purpose. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many things that happen in a church that it can be really hard to define what the church's purpose is. Yeah. What, and not the, not the, not the main, not big C church, but I'm talking about like the local church, what the individual mm-hmm. church's purpose is for a season or for, you know, what, what they're, what they're claiming their, um, long-term goals to be. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because, and, and Michael and I have done our fair share of picking on local churches. Um, and I, I, 
I think it's important to to state that we both of us love the local church. Yeah. Um, and at the point where we criticize or we say something that is critical of a local church, it is for the purpose of building up. Okay. And and I want you to understand our hearts here. We we will criticize the local church because we feel like the local church can do better than they're doing. And we want to use that as a way to say, here's something that I see that I think is off base of scripture, and here's where I believe the the local church can do it better. Mm-hmm. And and this is one of those things. Um when we talk about a church being intent on one purpose. This is not about a church having a mission statement and a, you know, um, values, goals, measures, whatever you want to call them. Um, this this is about a church focusing on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think I've seen a lot of churches, I, I know I have seen, I have personally seen a lot of churches get into this, we've got to, we've got to have this like, branded story or branded kind of thing that we push and 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 it 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 just comes off as inauthentic in in so many cases it's a very um like business type structure like like yes like think about like a lot of businesses have those things you talked about Mm -hmm. and it, it we begin to blur the line with the church when it becomes like a it's a corporation yeah and not a community of believers yeah Let, i mean i'll i'll be perfectly clear the mission of the church is to spread the gospel of jesus christ period end of story you don't need anything else past that and so if your church is trying to come up with this like guided mission statement that says we're going to do this one specific thing. Guess what? You don't need it. Mm-hmm. Okay? You're 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 zeroing in on things that you don't need and you're getting distracted. Yeah. As a church. And yeah. so it's I you know, and I say that as an encouragement, you know, please churches, if you're in the process of this, I I would I would ask of you think about it critically and put it aside. You don't have to have it. Because the Bible gives you everything that you need to do to focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the purpose and the mission of your church is to focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. And past that, you don't really need anything else. Yeah. So mm. that that's that's a little that's a little that'll, diatribe there. <laughs> that'll preach though. So 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 let let's wrap it up here. So um, verses three and four, um, Paul lists these two negative attitudes that mm-hmm. we need to eliminate, and then one positive attitude to cultivate so that believers can be of one mind. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to reread verses 3 and 4 um, just, to, just, to re- just to refresh our memory here because it's been like 40 minutes since we did that. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, so do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Yeah. Um, and you go back to verse 17, Paul's already exposed the ambition of preachers who had selfish mm-hmm. ambitions. Remember, we talked about how um, Paul wasn't really worried about if they were doing it um, out of uh, 
an authentic place in their heart if they were doing it out of rivalry or, or conceit or whatever, like as long as the gospel mm-hmm. was being preached. Um, but but also, and we know this, eventually those who preach the gospel out of um, selfish ambitions are going to expose themselves. And they're, yeah. they're going to be found out as – they're going to be found out to be frauds. And yeah. I mean, yes, the words – that come out of their mouth regarding the gospel might be true, but mm-hmm. the but the way you live your life is as much of a testimony to who Jesus is to you, yeah, as what you say. I'll I'll give an example of this that has happened this week as we're recording it. When this comes out, it'll be a couple of weeks behind. But this week is as we're recording it. Um, there was an article that came out uh, by Vanity Fair. Uh, that was an interview of Jerry Falwell Jr. Everybody, if you know Jerry Falwell Jr., you know Jerry Falwell Sr., who was the founder of what is now called Liberty University, um, which is a, a plant of, it's Thomas, I want to say Thomas Road Baptist Church, but I don't think that's exactly right. But it's in Virginia. All of it is right there together. All of it was started by Jerry Falwell Sr. Jerry Falwell Jr. became the president of Liberty University. And built Liberty University on business plans and business models and and money-wise, worldly-wise, they're doing, financially, they're doing fantastic. Liberty University is supposed to be a Christian university. Mm-hmm. And what came out in, in this interview this week was, was kind of startling to some people because some people put Jerry Falwell up as this great Christian leader and Jerry Falwell, in his own words, admitted, I'm not a Christian leader. I'd never intended to be a Christian leader. I'm not even a religious person, was what he said in that interview. And, you know, so many times we wanted to link Jerry Falwell Jr. with Jerry Falwell Sr. Yeah. And we tried to impose on Jerry Falwell Jr. what we wanted to see. We wanted to see the leader of a Christian university be a Christian with Christian morals and Christian values. And Jerry Falwell Jr. basically came out this week and said, I don't really care about any of that. Mm. I'm not religious. I'm just trying to build an empire. And it's caught a lot of people by at arms because these are the evangelicals who thrust their support behind Jerry Falwell because Jerry Falwell thrust his support behind Donald Trump. Mm. And... That link was made. Okay, well, Jerry Falwell's leading an evangelical institution, so if Jerry Falwell says it's okay, then then obviously it must be okay. And now Jerry Falwell has come out and said, yeah, I really never intended any of that to happen. Right. And, you know, I, I skimmed through an article today written by Russell Moore, who took a lot of flack for being critical of Jerry Falwell. Mm-hmm. And And what Russell Moore basically said today was, all of you people who were critical of me for being critical of Jerry Falwell, you guys are clearly in the wrong. Jerry Falwell is exactly what I said he was, right. and he's owning up to being exactly what I said he was. And and uh, and so you know, this uh, there's a lot of people who are saying Jerry Falwell is a hypocrite. And Russell Moore came out and said, "No, he's not a hypocrite. You just didn't listen to what he was saying, whereas I did." And, and I knew from the words that were coming out of his mouth, he was not going to be a Christian leader. Yeah. And they made, they made assumptions about him based on either his role or where he was or his family or, or whatever. 
instead of like actually listening to the words coming out of his own mouth. Right. And I mean, who you are, I mean, what you say, let me think of how to word this. Hang on. What you say reveals more about who you are than almost anything else. Exactly. Yes. That's how I want to word that. Yes. That, and that's exactly right. And that, that is why eventually what you're driven by will come out to the public. Mm-hmm. Jerry Falwell was driven by business, by success, by nothing that had to do with evangelical Christianity and Christian morals and Christian values. He was driven by greed and lust and his own personal agenda. Yep. And it has all come out. And so we tie all that together and we say, look at verse four. So all of this is going to come out, but verse four says, let each of you look to not only his own interests, but to the interests of others. Yeah. And so you should be constantly putting other people ahead of yourself as Christians. That's what Christians do. That's what the Christian ethic and the Christian worldview is. I mean, and think about our example. I mean, Jesus literally saw the world Mm -hmm. realize that they could not, you know, we could not do what was required to be in relationship with him. And he paid the price we, we should have paid that we deserve to pay. Yeah. He thought of us before himself. He didn't, he did not have to do that. And yet he did. Yeah. And if, he died the death that we deserve. And, and if he could do, if he could do that for us and like, who are we to say like, Oh, I can't think of that other person higher than me because of X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. whatever those X, Y, and Z's are. Yeah. I love, I love this quote that I, that I picked up from uh, one of the commentaries and it says, um, Paul's advice to regard others, chapter two, verse four prepares the way for the portrayal of the supreme example of Christ that we're going to see next week, two, two verses five through 11. Humility gained by looking up to the good example of others must always look past others to worship on bended knee before the Lord, mm. who humbled himself to die on the cross and whom God exalted to the highest place. Mm. And, and that's a quote from the Pillar New Testament commentary. And, you know, the the whole concept of putting others ahead of yourself is exactly what Christ did, and that's what we're going to talk about next week. And so I, I feel like that quote is a, is a great place to just kind of put a bow on this conversation and say, come back next week because we're going to talk about the ultimate person who put the needs of others above the needs of himself, and yeah. that was the person of Jesus Christ. Whew. That's good stuff, man. That's a good conversation. It is. It is. Why don't you say a prayer for us, Michael, as we uh, as we wrap this up? I'll do that. Uh, so if you're sitting at a desk or in your living room or your home office or whatever, you can bow your heads. And if you're driving, don't close your eyes. Um, but here we, we don't want to be responsible for a pile up on an highway. Um, but um, let's pray, God. Thank you for um, just this time tonight to... Uh, discuss your word and to uh, just to dive deeper into uh, who you are and and how you've uh, how you've set up uh, 
our walks with you to be. And God, I pray for um, everyone who's heard this episode tonight. Um, I pray for um, for Anthony and myself. I pray that you remind all of us to um, be unified uh, with one goal in mind, and that's to um, spread the gospel as far as we can, God. And um, I pray that uh, that allows us to uh, that unity allows us to uh, just grow and uh, be more focused on who you are, what you've done for us, and. and telling as many people as we can about your great love for them. Uh, God, I pray that you just be with everyone who listens to this episode in the coming week. And um, I pray that you help help us all to live more, uh, be more like you each day, God. Uh, thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for what you've done for us and what you continue to do for us each and every day, God. And we can't wait to see um, what you have in store for us in uh, in the future. We love you. Um, again, thank you for your great love. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if they want to reach us on social media, where would they do that, Michael? If you want to find the Beers and Bible podcast on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching the beers and bible podcast and looking for our logo there you can also email us at beers and bible podcast at gmail.com and finally you can visit our website beers and bible podcast.com and uh, pick up some bnb merch and represent your favorite beers and bible podcast on any and all of the social media sites you can uh, send a message and uh, if you have any questions about anything we've discussed or anything you'd like for us to uh discuss in the future we'd love to hear that and also if you have any beer reviews for us or beers for us to review we would uh, love to get that from you and we will do our best to track it down and then possibly give you a shout out on the podcast there you go so until next week we hope your beer stays cold and your bible stays open and we will see you later peace out <laughs>